This episode is brought to you by 2 Before Performance Nutrition. 2 Before is a natural sports performance supplement made from New Zealand blackcurrant berries. There's a growing body of evidence behind these berries for improving endurance and kickstarting recovery. With a sweet and tangy berry flavor, you can mix it in water, juice, sports drinks, and smoothies. For optimal results, drink daily 30 to 60 minutes before training. Use code INDIANA30 online at 2before.com for 30% off 20-pack products and free shipping. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli, and this is my portion of the podcast where I sit down with some of the best coaches and athletes from around the state, past and present. We discuss the highs and lows of their running or coaching journeys, the key insights they've gained along the way, and often dive into the bigger picture beyond the course of the track, the things that make them human, not just elite runners or coaches. The following is an interview with Ken Browner. Ken is the current head boys track and field coach at Carmel High School. During this interview, we talk Ken's introduction to track and field, falling in love with track and field after being sure he would become a football coach, his decision to go to Taylor, his coaching journey from Marion, his alma mater, to Lawrence North, to Carmel, all the lessons he's learned along the way, and much more. Coach Browner is one of the most decorated coaches in Indiana history, with four state championships and one runner-up as an assistant coach, and four state championships, three runner-ups, and one national title as a head coach. I was impressed by Ken's unwavering drive to be the best year in and year out. He holds himself and his teams to a very high standard of excellence. He doesn't approach coaching with blind faith, but has put in the work to continually learn and become a better coach. Through reading, clinics, connecting with coaches from around the state and country, and experience, it's no accident that Coach Browner is one of the best to ever do it in Indiana. Thank you guys for listening to and supporting this podcast. We couldn't do it without you. As always, hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And without further ado, I give you Ken Browner. All right, Coach Browner, welcome to the Indiana Runner Podcast. How's it going? It's going well. That's good to hear. How uh, How's practice been going the past couple months? It's We've got some youngins, so it's a little bit of a find out. We've got to meet Saturday, so that'll help us. And we'll almost run an entirely different group the following week just because we just don't know who we got. Yeah, it's definitely that time of year. <laughs> it is. Awesome. Well, we start off each episode with what's called Tier Talk. We rank our top three in a certain category. Uh, this week's Tier Talk is what are your top three favorite Sunday afternoon activities? Do you want to go first or do you want me to go sure. first? Yeah, it's right. pretty easy. I love to get up and go to church early in the morning, do the early service. Nice. Uh, after the early service, go have breakfast. And then after that, it's nap time. <laughs> There you go. Kind of How my standard Sunday uh, maneuver now. There you go. How long do the naps last? Uh, hopefully I can get at least 90 minutes in. There we go. What happens after that? Do you watch watch sports? Do you work around the house? or? Yeah, I do. Then I, I like to fold laundry. Sunday is my fold laundry day, so I'll do that. Um, if there's any sports on. I mean, thank goodness this Sunday, at least I can watch the uh, USA's. And yeah, a lot of that's early in the morning. So I'm going to get up at five and watch it uh, tomorrow morning. Nice. <laughs> um, well, cool. My top three for Sunday afternoon, uh, kind of along the same lines of like doing laundry and all the miscellaneous stuff. But I like to play in the week. Um I don't know, I like heading into the week knowing what, what I got on the calendar. It feels good having everything 
in front of me. Uh, number two, it is a running podcast after all. Enjoy going for a long run. Like Sunday long run is, is always good. And number one is watching sports. Um, it's a shame football is not on anymore, but <laughs> if there's basketball on, I'll watch or, yeah, just kind of hang out, whatever's on. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sunday afternoons are the best. It's good time, good time of the week. Uh, our second icebreaker, so it's called Car Thoughts. Just kind of the thoughts you're having when you're stuck in traffic like you, <laughs> you were or uh, the times that you're alone. Um, for me, uh, kind of serious one is, so I just went to Mexico for the first time actually last week. I was in uh, just south of Cancun, uh, Riviera Maya. One of my best friends from college uh, won like a sales rewards trip and he's single guy and needed a plus one. So he, he asked me to tag along. So it was a, it was a cool experience. Uh, it was a lot of fun, you know, being in Mexico, being in the nice weather. Uh-huh. But coming back, it's always like the the weird mix of you're tired, you're ready to be back, you don't necessarily want to be back in the full swing of life, but you're excited to be home. Um, so this week was kind of the the regrouping week for me. So it was a lot of, yeah, just getting back into the swing of, of life. Um, and then not so serious, uh, coming back, the first day I was here was pretty cold, but this week's been pretty nice um weather wise and i feel like i don't really realize the the impact of like the sun and the warm weather on like my mental state you just get mm-hmm. so used to being hunkered down in the winter it feels good to be to be out and seeing the sun and yeah. the, the warm weather so that's kind of what's been on my mind the past week or so uh what about you, you got anything you've been thinking about uh thinking about this move uh, as I am nearing retirement. I, I'm moving to uh, Atlanta, I actually moving to Villarica, Georgia. And so just a lot of thoughts. Um, the house is actually going to be done March 21st. Uh, we'll close on the 28th and then we'll move a bunch of stuff um, during spring break. Oh, wow. And, um, then we got to put this house up for sale and and hope it just times out right. And then we, we plan on hopefully being out of here by June 15. Wow. Has it sunk in yet? Not yet. I mean, I have track to keep me distracted, but you know, you, you keep thinking, it's like, all right, got to get this other house ready. You know, they're, they're calling saying this is, you know, got to do the punch list and let's get this done. And, uh, I, I, you know, I haven't had any, you know, like regrets or just, you know, sad thoughts or, you know, Oh my God, this is it. Just, mm. I, I just know it's time that I do know. Yeah. How did, how did you come to that conclusion? Like, did you, have you known for some time that this would be the last year or did something about this year just feel like it was the last one or. Well, a couple of things. One is I've always said that uh, I would, when I turned 60, I would stop coaching. And I was, I, I really planned on retiring if I could, if finances, you know, worked out that way, which not having any children allowed me to save a ton of money. So that's why I can retire at age 60. And so 60 was kind of my, my target mark, but then you just kind of have that feeling when you just walk out there and it's just not the same, you know, not as much energy. I mean, you still love it, but just feel like I can't give it everything I've used to been able to give. And it just felt like it was time. Yeah, 
was it was it a process of i don't know kind of coming to that conclusion or were you i don't know when the time came you're like okay i know this is time um i think it's a little bit of a process i mean you kind of know because because sometimes you just think well you know if i just get a little more rest you know get rejuvenated i'll be good to go and and i could tell like last few years you know i'd go to some meets and be like, oh God, I got a track meet today. But once I got <laughs> to the meet, it was great. I mean, I, I was able to just focus in. I could coach, but that initial moment is, oh, I got to meet. <laughs> got to mm-hmm. get up. Got to leave the house. And and so once I started yeah. that little bit of feeling, it's like, yeah, maybe you need to look at this more seriously. Yeah, for sure. What uh, what does retirement hold for you? Is there anything in particular you're looking forward to doing? Uh, my wife and I are going to travel. Um, I think nice. our first trip is going to be Hawaii. Nice. And eventually we'll branch out and go to Europe and do a few other things. Um, we've actually kind of started our own little LLC, which is kind of involving education and um, traveling and where we will kind of start working on that little bit of a venture. So not like a full-time job. I don't want to do that again, but just you know, share a lot of the stuff that I've gained over the years and just kind of give back. That's awesome. That's, that's exciting. What, uh, what's in Georgia? Why Georgia? Family. Family, okay. My brother's there, so it's going to be great because my brother and I, since, you know, he moved out when he was 18, and now here we are back together again and doing Friday night football games and baseball games and all the fun stuff. That's awesome. That's definitely something to look forward to. Uh, So we're going to go from the beginning, get into your your story, and then talk a little bit of of coaching. So going back to the beginning, um, what did – the initial introduction to, to track and field look like? Did you do track early? Were you doing other sports? Did you have other interests? What the kind of beginnings look like? My beginnings in track and field is kind of funny. I had this, um, you know how they used to have field day in elementary? Yeah. Um, so track and field was kind of the field day that we had. And I had this really cool teacher named Miss Herring. And and I was kind of, you know, one of those kids that I was active and all, but I really didn't want to get out and do that. And she's like, oh, go out there do this event and do that event. And so I won like four events and it's kind of like, Oh, this is pretty cool. You know how it is. As a kid, <laughs> you're getting attention because you're winning. Yeah. And, and so that kind of got me going into track and field. And then as I got in the middle school, um, it, it just, it kept getting better and, and got to high school and things kept rolling, but I always thought I was going to be a football player. I mean, that, that was always my thing. I was going to be a football player. I was going to be a football coach. And, and I did both. Um, in high school. And it just kind of um, grew from there. I had a really um, good high school track coach, um, actually two good guys, Wally Jones and Ron Hicklin, uh, demanded a lot. Um, their expectations of me were, were just unbelievable because they just, they wouldn't let me quit. I mean, there would be times that I would try to skip practice and I would, I would go home and, and coach Hicklin would get in his car and come and get me and bring it back <laughs> like, really? dude he's not even gonna let me skip <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um what position did you play in football i was a running back okay okay and so you did that in the fall and then sprinted in the and spring then, yeah. yeah sprinted and threw so i was actually a better thrower than i was a sprinter really yeah i was actually a state qualifier uh, in the discus wow that's that's impressive um, did you take to either more? Like, did you enjoy throwing more or sprinting more? 
when I started coaching, it was throwing that got me going. I, I love throwing. I love the technicality of it. Uh, just the energy that can be brought. Um, but, you know, sprinting was there. I mean, I, I was on the four by one, ran the hundred. I mean, I was 11 flat guy, but, you know, not going to, you know, score in the state meet or anything, but was a good relay guy. Yeah, definitely. Um, so being a, I guess, football first kind of mindset, at least when you were in school, um, like how did you view track? Was it kind of just training for football or did you eventually kind of fall in love with the sport itself? I never looked at it as training for football. I just looked at it as competing. I, I, I love the competition. I love getting in that discus ring or that shot ring or being lined up for that four by one and, and just getting after it. You know, I, I loved all of that part of, of the competition. Absolutely. So you went to Marion, is that right? Yes, Marion High School, Marion Giant. There we go. Um, what was kind of the, the atmosphere of the school in regards to to track and even to football? Like, were how good were you guys? Like, what was the I don't know competition like with at least within the school? We were a decent uh, track and field team. Um, Marion High School, as you know, was a basketball school. You know, multiple state basketball championships and. So that's where all the attention was, but it was a, a booming community at the time, you know, factory town. So auto factories, all that fun stuff. And, but the community was great. I mean, it, I couldn't have grew up in a better place uh, where people cared and, and people pushed me and, and made sure they got the best out of me. So, I mean, I enjoyed my, my teenage years. So coming out of high school, um, where were you at kind of mentally? Like, did you want to play, continue playing football? Did you continue playing football? Or I did. So I had this idea once I graduated because I kind of had a bad senior year football. It was really kind of a coaching thing. So I was kind of turned off to sports. And so I kind of told my folks, it's like, you know what? I want to I want to do something else right now. I don't want to go to school. Let me just go get a job or or travel or just do something. And I did that for about six months. And then in January, um, Coach Law, the football coach at Taylor University, called and said, hey, I've watched you in high school. You need to come to Taylor University. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And so that's <laughs> how I got to Taylor University. <laughs> of course, he comes and he talks to my mom and convinces my mom. And my mom's like, oh, that's where you're going. Like, all right, I guess I have no choice. I'll, I'll be there in January, Coach. <laughs> that's hilarious. So were you kind of itching to get back into football at that point or? Not, I wouldn't say I was, but I, I really needed some structure in my life. You know, I was kind of just drifting a little bit. So I, I needed that more than, you know, when I look back now, it's like that, that really kind of shaped me and, and helped me develop for the, the latter part here. Okay. And then did you do track as well or just? Football? I did. Um, had a um, Hall of Fame coach named George Glass and uh, did track there and, and had good success, still threw, <laughs> still sprinted, <laughs> um, picked up javelin, picked up hammer also. Uh, and uh, But it, it was great. Had some great teammates and uh, been able to just win some championships and, and be all right. Yeah. So you said for the longest time you thought – you know, it's going to be football as a primary sport and then eventually be a football coach. When did that shift and how did you end up getting more into track more and eventually coaching in track? So I was 
I was like I said, I was gung ho for um, football, and I interviewed for three, no four, four head coaching jobs. Didn't get any of them. Then felt I definitely should have got two of them. The other two I could understand, but I really felt I was better than the other candidates. Mm. And for whatever whatever reason, I didn't get it, and it just kind of soured me. It's like okay, this coaching football thing's not going to work. And so I turned my attention to track and said, if I can't be a good football coach, I'll be a good track coach. And that's kind of how I changed directions in that regard. Was it tough giving up football or did that experience, like you said, kind of just turn you in another direction? Yeah, I was just a little bitter. I mean, I still love the game, love watching it, but this, it was, it became too political at that structure during that time when I was trying to be a head coach. Like if I did it now, I'd probably have no problem being a head coach, you know, football wise, but it, it was such a good old boy network back in the day, especially in Marion County. I mean, they, they just had their little cliques and groups and, you know, just had to be with the in crowd. Yeah, that's, uh, that's unfortunate. Uh, so graduating from Taylor, um, I guess, what did you study at Taylor? What did you envision you'd be doing? Um, so I studied sociology and truly envision myself helping people um, kind of entertain the idea that maybe I wanted to be an FBI agent. <laughs> and cool. um, yeah, took some of the, actually, you know, they have a battery of tests and things that you have to take. And I did a number of those. And, and this is kind of how I, I segued into track at Lawrence North High School. I was training for the um, PT test for the FBI. And so I'd always go over to the high school and, and train on their track. Hmm. And Coach Potter saw me one day, Bob Potter, and he says, I see you out here running every day. You, you ever do track? And I said, yeah, I've done some track. He goes, you ever coached? And I was like, well, I mean, I, I did a little volunteer coaching when I was at Marion, but he goes, well, I think you'd be fine, you know, joining the Lawrence North staff. And so it was kind of weird. I, I got that coaching bug, and I just never looked back from that point on. So wow, that's what pushed me all the way back into education and, you know, certifying myself and, and, and becoming a teacher and a coach. Wow. So you, at that point, you were training to potentially take the test to join the FBI? Yes. Wow. That's a, that's a little bit of a different field. <laughs> um, so what, what was it about coaching that you said you caught the bug pretty quick that you, yeah, took you to? I just, I knew of all my failures as an athlete and I, and then the pitfalls that could come with it. And so I knew that guiding those young men is like, don't be me, don't do this. <laughs> you know, I, I made a huge mistake at my senior year in high school. And that is the, the week of regional. I, I was out hooping with the guys and severe ankle sprain and never got thrown state meet that year. And was one of the top three rated guys in the state in the discus at the time and never got a chance to be a state champion. Wow. Um, so initially it was coaching that got you into this space, but um, how, how did uh, education, I guess, become a part of it? Like, did you, uh, when you initially started coaching, did you know you wanted to get into teaching as well? Or yes. what does that kind of look like? Yeah, I mean, kind of like some of the guys, you know, I was an IA for a year, and then I was fortunate enough that um, 
Lily had a grant called Teacher as a Decision Maker. And so they paid for everything and gave me a stipend. Of course, the only thing I had to do, I had to drive three times a week to IU Bloomington for all the courses and that I needed. But heck, they're paying for it. So I made that drive and got certified and was in the classroom. What a, do you teach history? Is that- yeah, I teach history, sociology, um, also did ethnic studies. And of course, geography and a few other things. Okay. Is there a course that you enjoy the most teaching or, or an aspect of it? Uh, sociology. I just mm-hmm. love it because it's, it's just the world. I mean, it's your environment, you know, and it's funny because I'm getting my classes. They're, they're kind of picking up on that now is they're, they're looking at things from a sociological perspective. You know, why do people do what they do? Mm. And so that's, kind of, inter- I always love that. I mean, it's like, I just go to the mall and I'll just sit and watch people or sit at the airport and I'm just watching, okay, why are they doing this? Why is this happening? And so I just, I can't turn that part of me off. <laughs> that's uh that's interesting. Um, so you'd be at, at Lawrence North for I guess, 16 years as an assistant. And then, yes. Um, so did you, during that time, you'd win four state championships and one runner up. Did you know, you're part of, of a great program. I mean, I'm sure you were aware, but yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, it's weird because I was telling somebody the other day in the coach's office, I said, there was just always an expectation that you go to the state meet and, mm. and that's, and you realize it's not a guarantee in, in track and field. I mean, maybe your athletes don't qualify that year, but I've been super fortunate that I've qualified all of my coaching career for the state meet. You know, for 30 plus years, I mean, I've at least had an athlete in the state meet. Wow. What, uh, so what do you think it was about either Lawrence North, you know, the culture they built, Bob Potter, what, uh, what was it that allowed them to (laughs) be so consistent and so excellent? Well, Potter built a a really great culture. I mean, he, he was a a salesman. I mean, there, there was no kid walking the building that, if you had a good test in PE class or you just look like you're an athlete, Potter's going to approach you and get <laughs> the bills just feel. <laughs> he was good at that. And so he would get those guys out, but then he would also create that, that environment of unity, but he also made the program special. I mean, we always had one special trip that we would take, whether we would, go to Washington DC and run in a meet or, or go to Tennessee or, or just some out of state trip that we just all took as a group and, and just bonded. And, and, and I just enjoyed that part of it. And it, and it really helped those athletes too, because uh, being at Lawrence North, I mean, different kid than Carmel. And, and some of those kids needed the, that family unity aspect of it. Mm. And so we just enjoyed the, the run that we were on and, the kids perform when we needed them to. So as an assistant, like, where did you fit into things? Like, did you, I guess, what disciplines did you coach and kind of what was your role on the team? All right. So I started out as a throws coach. So I was back to what I'd love to do anyway. I love throws. And so I was, uh, I did throws there for 10 years. And it was weird because, I mean, I knew a lot of things about throwing, but then you got to teach it. 
it's, mm. it's a whole different animal because it's, it's so technical. But I was fortunate enough to get involved with a number of different um, throwing professionals and learn from them and, you know, traveling all over the country, just trying to figure stuff out. And so I did that for the first 10 years and was fortunate enough to, you know, get kids to the state meet and, you know, eventually have a state champion. And, and then um, afterwards, um, Potter moved me over to the sprints. And so we, and that was in 2000, 2000, and moved over to the sprints. And then, of course, that's when we had that really good run of 2001, 2002, 2003 of, of just great teams, great sprinters. I mean, I, I'd locked into it. I mean, anybody could have coached a couple of those kids I had. <laughs> it was just so good. Just had to get them on the bus. But yeah, <laughs> um, but that that got me going there. And afterward, it's, it's funny because then it's 2000. Five and Potter says, "You know what? I don't think I want to do this anymore. I think you should be the head coach." <laughs> and so he walks wow. me through the AD's office, and this is how the interview went. Um, I'm Bob says, "I'm going to retire. Ken's going to be the head coach. Any problems with that?" <laughs> the AD looks at him and says, "No, we're good with that transition." And so wow. that's how I became a head coach. I was never pining to be a head track and field coach. Really, uh, I was just enjoying my assistance role because I mean I get to coach my guys do my thing and and so yeah Bob just said he's now a head coach and that's how I became head coach <laughs> did you find out that day or did you have an idea yeah. that he's gonna retire yeah, much. that was it yeah because the AD <laughs> says yeah well, all right Bob we're good we'll, we'll hire him yeah did you want to do it or were you kind of <laughs> I, like I said it, it was not an expectation but if mm. Bob said I could do it then I figured I could do it Plus, that last year, the only thing Bob did was coach the vault. He had me do all the entries and you know, set up workouts. So he was setting me up, and I wasn't even paying <laughs> attention to it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, how was that transition? Uh, uh, sounds like he kind of eased you into it, whether you knew it or not. But, yeah, how was the transition? For me, it was easy because I didn't understand being the man that followed the man at the time. I mean, Bob's a Hall of Fame mm-hmm. coach, four state titles, you know, all these state champs, everything else. And I didn't know any better. I was like, hey, I, I've worked under Bob Potter, so I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Just took over the program with no issues. That's awesome. Um, was there anything that, like, surprised you or was challenging at first? Or did you feel like you were you were ready? I was ready. I mean, the, the only thing that you understand as a head coach now is you don't really get the coach like you used to, you know, mm-hmm. as an assistant and you, you have to manage so many other things. And so that part was tough, but <laughs> I made time anyway. <laughs> I would do morning workouts with the guys who do late night workouts. So I, I made time to make sure I coach those kids. Mm-hmm. Did you keep with the disciplines that you had? Like, were you still sprint coaching as a head coach as well? Or I went back to throws because I, I had a kid, uh, well, Brandon Pounds, who was my national champion. Um, mm-hmm. He came in as a freshman and I mean, he, he was a 50 footer as a freshman. And it's like, this kid wow. could be special. And of course he ended up throwing 68 feet overall and uh, becoming a national champion um, at probably the best high school national shot put national champion. They had nine out of the top 10 throwers in the nation there which is wow. not to do anymore because a lot of those kids just go to all these different meets. Mm-hmm. 
And so being able to say you beat all those guys was, was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, what was it like being a head coach over maybe like disciplines that you didn't know as much or had you kind of built up your knowledge about everything? I'm thinking like maybe like distance or pole vault or those kind of things. Well, one of the things, and Mike Holman, who was the, um, the coach over at LC at the time, Lawrence Central, um, was big in the USATF. Matter of fact, he he was uh, one of the clinicians for the USATF level one, you know, the levels training and so forth. And so Mike got me going in, um, you know, going to level one class with Mike and a friend of mine named Saul Stevens. And so, of course, I did level one, did level two, um, you know, did level two multi, level two sprints, level two throws, um, went out to um, Chula Vista, um, the Olympic Training Center in 2008 and spent eight days there. Um, just a phenomenal experience. Plus, it was an Olympic year, so it was really cool because a lot of the Olympians were there training. Wow. And, and so I, I always tell people I can confidently coach every event. Um, the pole vault would be my weakest, but I, I feel I can coach you up to about 12 feet, maybe 13, and then it gets too technical for me to take you any higher than that. Um, was it, I don't know, as a head coach and transitioning into that role, was it tough to kind of like relinquish power in a way, or like, how have you learned through the years to, to navigate letting your coaches coach, but also like you've built up this wealth of knowledge through the years and imparting that, like, where's that, that balance for you? Well, a good friend of mine, um, Chris Giesman, who was the head football coach at Penn High School, he and I used to do football camps together in Wisconsin all the time, always told me this. He would say, Kenny, when you become a head coach, hire people smarter than you. <laughs> and so I, <laughs> and when you think about it, I mean, it, it's true. You want to hire people that challenge you. I mean, you don't want people that you're just telling, do this, do that all the time. You want people to say, hey, I, I don't tell me why we're doing this. And because there's a lot of things that training wise, as you know, the training principles, um, you got to understand some stuff. I mean, you got to know how to optimize their performance and, and what factors into that. And so I, I just being able to um, surround myself with good people, um, having a lot of people in my life that I can call and I can call a number of people, a number of college coaches, whatever uh, Olympic coaches that I've come in contact with. Uh, and so I, I'm always, uh, I, I never pretend I know everything and I never will. I, I will always try to learn something new about the event every year. Where does, where does that humility or even just a uh, desire to keep learning come from? Have you always had that or? I think it's just something my mom instilled in me. My mom was really, you know, reticent that I stay humble and, you know, you, you just, but you got to keep learning. Don't, you'll never spend a day not learning something. And, you know, she was one that I'd have to come home from school and you know how they always say, well, how was school? It was never how was school with her. It's like, tell me three things you learned today. Mm. And so I always had to, again, have some sort of knowledge. <laughs> I'm trying to retain things. You know, some days you're like, yeah, you get home. It's like, Oh crap. Mom's going to ask me these questions. <laughs> what I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure I, I like that that's a, a good approach it makes you yeah it makes you think about what you actually did that day and I don't know shows that she cares too yeah because oftentimes like just asking how someone is it doesn't 
you know, I don't actually mean it. It's like every time I go to a track clinic and my wife does it to me too. It's like, all right, tell me what you learned from that clinic. Mm. Also, I have to do the same thing with my wife. So it's a <laughs> ongoing process. You gotta be ready. Uh, so you spent, was it four or five years as head coach of, at Lawrence North? Five years as head coach there. Five years. Okay. And then you'd make the move to Carmel. How did that if you'd like to continue listening to this episode of the podcast, you'll need to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Indiana Runner. Once you do, you'll get access to all full-length episodes of the interview portion of the podcast, in addition to other subscriber-only content, including extra content on race previews and recaps, book club episodes, the ability to ask my guests questions, and much more. Thanks again for listening to and supporting this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you on Patreon.